This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 339. Jim Zaboran on perceptual remodeling. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Welcome back to the program, and I am excited for you to be listening to this week's episode. I've gotten to know Jim quite well over the last couple of years, and my guest this week is somebody who comes from, like many of us, a bit of a rather varied background, but nowadays is someone out there doing the work of professional hypnosis and really doing things interestingly, which is a big part of why he's on the program this week. You see, many of Jim Zaboran's clients are also in the business world, people who are entrepreneurs, people who are looking to climb the corporate ladder. And what Jim has done that I know you're going to enjoy listening to is the way that he's really set up a system in terms of one of the most trending terms, that of gamifying the process of success. So you're going to hear him talk about how to identify your client's metaphors and then begin to work creatively within the symbolic landscape as to what they want to achieve. You're going to hear some insights about how to identify as well as how to let go of roadblocks in the process, because so often as we end up working with business related clients, one part of it is about the emotional stuff that's perhaps holding them back. But the reality is once we can then clear that stuff away, well, now there's a clear measurement of success as taking action is a big part of that, which is why Jim's going to chat in detail about creating some feedback loops inside of the process to really create that traction, to really get that feedback in real time and really begin to move things forward. We're also going to talk about how to bring your own story into the work that you do in a way that's appropriate, into a way that, yes, is ethical, but also creates a way that draws people in to your messaging and your marketing. So chances are, as you've been listening to this podcast series, we've been going out of our way to bring in some of these people like Jim, like some of the recent guests who many of you will phrase it this way, don't yet know. Uh, the people who are out there so busy doing the professional work of hypnosis and creating some outstanding results. And these are the stories that we have found. You know, it took us about 300 plus episodes to figure this thing out. <laughs> the opportunity that these are the programs that get the most listens get the most shares as well as get the most interaction as well. Be sure to listen carefully, by the way, inside of this episode, because there is an amazing resource that Jim has made available to you to use inside of your own practice. So listen carefully as you listen to this week's episode, Jim will share that exact resource as you go through this. While you're there on the web too, we have our next Work Smart Hypnosis live an online training happening very soon. Now, this episode releases in August of 2021, and the next training event happens in October of 2021. I mention that because behind the scenes, we'll get several thousand downloads in the first couple of weeks as this comes out, but then 10,000 plus more over the next three years. So either way, if you're listening to this in time, head over to worksmarthypnosislive.com. This is our live and online interactive training. And once again, I've brought on Dr. Richard Nongard as a guest instructor, which really creates an outstanding environment for learning hypnosis. Richard, from his background, focuses on an evidence-based approach to hypnotic change. 
if we're going to be offering our services out there to the professional community, we ought to be using techniques that have been proven to be effective in clinical trials. And that's what you're going to get from Richard Nongard. My whole approach to it is that your client's issue is kinesthetic. No matter what thoughts, no matter what ideas, they're feeling something, which is why it kind of makes sense to do a rather kinesthetic hypnotic process, integrating hypnotic phenomenon so your client can actually feel the results happening and you get this incredible brand of instant gratification for change. Now, these are a bit of a different description than what most people go through inside of a hypnotic training event, which is why about half of our audience tends to be people who are brand new to hypnosis, and it's the first training event that they're actually taking. Meanwhile, the other half of people may be well-trained on paper, may already be out there working professionally, and yet perhaps they've heard that we have a rather interesting take on this stuff, and they're not getting the consistent results they want with their clients, or perhaps you yourself are stuck inside of rigid protocols or scripted techniques, and if you want to really learn creativity and flexibility in the process, check out Work Smart Hypnosis Live. Com. And I'll throw in a little side note here. Uh, Jim recently went through the event uh, almost, uh, yes, as a student, but almost as well as a bit of a supervisor role as uh, he also sponsored his two children to go through the event, a family friend, as they're now converting the solo practice into a family practice, literally speaking, because the whole family's now doing it. There you go. So check that out at WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. If you're listening in time, we've got one coming up in October. If you're listening to this after the fact, we'll always have another one coming down the pike. So either way, check out WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. And with that, here we go with episode number 339, Jim Zaboran on Perceptual Remodeling. Might have been about 12 years old. I can't remember the exact uh, time, but I, I knew that I was going to be an entrepreneur because uh, I, I was perusing uh, my dad's library, a huge library of all kinds of books. Uh, and uh, he had some a little section in it that was um, uh, how to do garage sales and how to uh, run your own business and all kinds of interesting things to me and uh, really caught my imagination. I've always been something of a... Um, an individualist. And I, I, as my dad put it, um, I, I can't seem to do things by the status quo. And it just struck me that the independence of being an entrepreneur, uh, you know, right, making my own hours, saying where I was going to live, what I was going to do, uh, just really attracted me. So there it really began a lifelong quest. Uh, really not, uh, I've been a serial entrepreneur, but not a successful serial entrepreneur, but it is in the learning from the failures that uh, uh, the Phoenix arose. Nice, nice. Do you tend to find that it's almost a different personality uh, at times in terms of being that person who takes, I'm hesitant to use the word taking ownership because there still is a taking ownership as somebody who is the employee of someone else, but it's a different personality type that's kind of required to really make that entrepreneurial journey really take off? You know, that's a great question. I, I, I do believe at face value that that is very true. Uh, I'm not sure that everybody and anybody couldn't get there, but certainly um, there's a different type of a personality. I believe my father was very drawn to doing his own business. Uh, I, I found hints of him thinking of starting it, but he never really did. 
And I, th- I think that uh, I'm a bit more of a risk taker than he was. And I, I lead with my creativity. So that uh, sets me up perfect for entrepreneurial uh, pursuits. There's an independence about me. So yeah, I would say, Jason, that there's there's a, a certain personality that's really going to do well. But I'm not sure that it's not in everybody in some way. But I would say that uh, it's it's, you know, if you're not inclined that way, then certainly don't become that way. Well, I, I like the way you phrase that, that it's something that we may have the natural inclination, but we can get there eventually. Absolutely. I believe that. The same as, you know, here was talk in the hypnotic profession about, you know, we've, we've all kind of dismissed the thing about this, only this percentage of the population can be hypnotized. We've kind of gotten past <laughs> that one. Yes. Um, I, I would say there is some truth to that person, as Sean Michael Andrews would say, the natural virtuoso that they're going to go to that deep level no matter what you do to some respect. Exactly. exactly. I become more effective in my work, though, if I approach even hypnotizability and depth of hypnosis, and hear the air quotes on that, from the same thought that everyone has the inclination, it may come natural to others, but we can get there eventually. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. That's that's exactly how I see entrepreneurship. Not that everybody will want to go there, but if, if somebody wants to, they can get there. Although, uh, briefly, the friend of mine who at 65 years old sold his painting business to his best employee with the agreement, hire me as the manager for the next five years. I'm, I'm done running this. I want to work for you the next five years, then I'm retiring. It's like, eventually. <laughs> now, hypnosis that's, that's for you- That's a great you, way to do it. I, it, was, it was so cool that he did that. He goes, you know what? I'm going to hand this off to someone else, but um, I think it's about, to, his words, he goes, at 65 years old, it's about time I finally get a job. There you go. Very good. Now, you got involved with hypnosis also at a young age, right? I did. Yeah. I've always been a person of many interests, and uh, I get that from my mother, my father. And uh, in this instance, uh, my mother and I signed up for a uh, community course. It it was like six weeks, I believe it was, on self hypnosis. Uh, We used uh, as a textbook a book by Leslie LeCron. It was actually led by um, the father of uh, one of my classmates uh, going through grammar school and high school. And it was a wonderful class. I learned uh, a lot. And uh, but I was I was at a young age, and so um, I, I forgot. Uh, I, it kind of fell in the background as as I, I got older, and I kind of forgot about it for a while. But uh, I was really into it. Uh, in fact, uh, when I was a junior um, in high school, I, I had this journal, and I, I wrote a multi-entry uh, journal on uh, uh, self hypnosis. And the teacher for that class made me rewrite them because she felt that uh, I had copied them from a book. So I felt pretty good about that. But uh, I wasn't too <laughs> angry about that. But yeah. I, I hypnosis and I love the subconscious mind is what it really is. And I love the the potential that people have that is just I, locked up is kind of maybe the wrong word, but it's just uh, it's behind doors that we haven't yet learned how to open. And yeah. um, hypnosis is a great way to uh, to open those doors. Now, we tend to often bounce around in this conversation just so we can see some of the end result as much as we're talking about the origin story here. So kind of bring us up to date, though, and we'll we'll bounce around here. In terms of how would you kind of characterize the work that you're currently doing as a hypnotist? Well, top of mind and center of heart uh, in all my work is helping clients achieve uh, transformational change that will you know put them profoundly and rapidly at their next level self so that uh, the next level outcomes they want happen as a natural outcome of that. So I'm really looking at transformation versus translation. Translation would be changing a habit, and then the person is happy the habit has changed, but the underlying 
perceptions uh, and metaphor landscape, you know, that's making the self the self is unchanged, even though surface gets changed. And so there, what it's going to end up happening is one of two things, uh, or probably more, but uh, in, at least for this purpose, two things. Uh, one, they, their habit changes, and then slowly the transformation begins to take place as their their perceptions change at a, at a symbolic level in their subconscious. Or they're just going to, what's going to happen is a translation and whatever was the underlying perception causing whatever it was the client wanted to change on the surface uh, is going to pop up somewhere else. There, there's a great place for that kind of work and, and I do it also. But really, I, I see that as being remedial work when I deal with the surface. And I prefer to do the remedies by changing the underlying symbolic landscape that the person is uh, traveling to get to that place. Yeah. So does that does that change then the entry point? Let's say someone is reaching out to you and very often they're reaching out because it is, as you put yes. it, that translation issue. I'm procrastinating on this project. I have this habit I'd wish to change. Where does that usually now change the entry point of the work if it does? It's the same entry point because we're really moving into the subconscious. But I, I nowadays I go much more directly for um, their metaphors and their symbols, and I don't do that directly. When I first was trying to get there, I, I would ask directly, but that really didn't work as well. But uh, I've I've learned how to um, very quickly see what their symbols are, and those symbols connect them in a, a very close way to what's important to them uh, deep down, where they're not even consciously aware of it. And I look for those symbols. Uh, that, that to me, that's the basic unit of thought in the subconscious. And then those those symbols are arranged in relationships uh, that that I call metaphors. And those metaphors are then arranged in what I call a symbolic landscape. So my entry point is is still through the subconscious. A lot of my work uh, is is actually conversational hypnosis in the beginning. Uh, I, I move from a, the, a social context to uh, a hypnotic context, uh, kind of in the conversation. And so usually there's there's some fractionation there because once I'm actually going into a more of a formal induction, they've, they've already been uh, yeah. inside a little bit. So then can you give us an example? Is this a story come to mind of a client that you've worked with and what came out from eliciting those symbols from those metaphors? Yeah, I work with a, a man who um, he's a professional, and he's a helping a professional, and uh, very accomplished, uh, very transformational in his field. He was getting very worn out in his profession, and he wanted to take it to the next level, but everything was like a, a becoming more and more of a struggle. And uh, as we were talking uh, in an early session, um, actually the first session, uh, it came out that he uh, really loves motorcycles and loves riding motorcycles. And uh, he, he loves the adventure, and he drives out in uh, long highways and in, in nature, back highways and things like that. And he loves like the adventure. He never knows what's coming around the next corner. And so there's, there's already symbols uh, of, of adventure, of journey, not knowing what's coming around the corner. But then he said, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, I'm kind of not liking it anymore because now it's what I call a grind. Uh, it's like, you know, you get out there and I used to love being in the rain or whatever, but now it's like a grind. And so now I, now I had some important symbols. I had, I had a grind, uh, which was a slowing down, but I also had the other side of it. He loves the adventure and he loves not knowing what's coming around the corner. And so uh, I used those symbols. I evolved them to where he understood that what he was doing in his profession was not really a grind. It was actually an adventure and he never knew what was coming around the corner it was actually a feature, not a, a bug. Nice. Nice. Which I love this type of work because it's where, as clever as we can often think we might be, 
to simply oh, listen man. to the client and oh, hear yeah. their stories. And oh man, I'm trying to remember. I had a session a couple of weeks ago where the person actually did bring up riding a motorcycle, and all I had to say was, "And what's helpful from that in terms of why we're here today?" There you go. And the guy almost went in the exact same direction you just brought it. There you go. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jason, when, when I got really good at what I do is when I stopped trying to solve my clients' problems and be clever. Um, it, it's, yeah. you know, when, when I got into, you know, uh, I was, I was doing uh, coaching for entrepreneurs first uh, at a cognitive level. And then I, I realized I needed a, a, a way to get behind the decisions and actions So some people could actually do these things that were made sense. And, you know, I found this powerful tool of hypnosis and it was like amazing the results I could get for my clients. And so uh, suddenly I started feeling like I had to solve the problem too. And I, and I kind of had to learn, no, the subconscious is super powerful to solve the problems. I just have to give it the roadmap, uh, kind of a model to follow sometimes and other times resolve some conflicts. But, uh, you know, the person is, the subconscious is going to, going to really solve the problem. So that was, that was kind of a, a key realization for me. I, I really moved from do it being pretty good to getting some really good results for my clients. I, I just don't try to solve my problems, any, my clients' problems anymore. Well, you brought up something there that I think you've heard me speak about in terms of training. I love the category of the hyphenate, uh, the person who's coming in already with one set of skills and is now looking to add on hypnosis on top of that. So here's the yoga instructor who's now learning right. hypnosis. But you were there operating as the coach, as the life coach first. Yes. And that was so important, Jason. You know, over over a number of years, I, I believe it was uh, about seven or eight years before I, before I started studying hypnosis and bringing that into the practice, I developed a, a framework of self-creation. And I really came to realize I was struggling to help people really to apply the strategies and ideas that would really help them to go forward. But some of my clients, they, they couldn't do it. They were smart people. They were talented people, but they just couldn't do it. They kept getting in their own way. But in the process of trying to figure out how to help them, I, I developed a framework for how we as humans naturally self-create. And I realized that the problem is we don't do that intentionally, but we can do it intentionally. And so if I hadn't gone through that, that process as, as the uh, life coach uh, specializing in working with entrepreneurs for their personal growth that would underpin their entrepreneurial success – I wouldn't have had such a solid basis for transformational change now. The, the framework broke down into human capacities that we have for change. We're, 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 we're designed or created or we've evolved, whatever. We are now as humans built to change and built to change for the positive if we want to. It's just that nobody, really, almost nobody really knows that. And that's really what I bring to my clients. Uh, but uh, so those were important years. But no, once I once I started studying hypnosis, boom, that was it. That, I knew the tool I had. Now, now I still do coaching incidentally to my, my hypnosis. But my work is my, the hypnosis is my superpower. And that's nice. the superpower I bring into my clients' lives. Well, I love what you said about, you know, finding suddenly here was the thing that made the work better. Here was something mm -hmm. that helped to clean that up. From that coaching side of things, you know, that was very often, correct me on this, you'd get into the situation where it was clear, oh, just do this. But clearly there was something holding that back. Yes, absolutely, Jason. And and, and here's the thing. Not only did I recognize, but I, but I did that so many times myself. That's that's how I that's how I got into this, actually, because <laughs> I, I was a serial entrepreneur, but I had many work episodes in between because I couldn't uh, make a business work. So, you know, that's really what got me into that coaching. But yeah, there are things that are clear to do, and it could be even clear to the person to do it, but they just get in their own way for very good reasons. Their subconscious is protecting them for something 
but it's 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 an old symbol and it's an old program. It's an old tape running, and uh, we just need to evolve it to where they where they are today. Yeah, which having that skill set, having that understanding, and yet still standing in our own way, becoming that block, we can always be client centered. Um, you're hearing some caution yeah. in the question coming its way. <laughs> we can always be client centered. <laughs> We can always be in the moment with our client, but we do kind of find in certain categories, here's the checklist in terms of what may arose. I think you've you've heard my story around suddenly I had this referral source in Virginia for a while of a gymnastic studio. And when the phone would ring from this one coach, I'm like, oh, great. It's another one who can't do a, a backwards flip in the high beam. <laughs> and it did fall into a category of there were three reasons why they had to fear. And it was one of the three, never a combination, oddly enough, hmm. but it just kind of informed this is the direction to go. What have you typically found is holding back that entrepreneurial success, knowing it's always going to be nuanced and specific it, it is, to the it, That's a great way to put it. It, it, it. it is always nuanced. And to make it more complicated, usually what somebody is coming to me for is not really what they're needing. Yeah. Um, but typically, uh, the, the way I work, there's uh, a door that uh, they've built stairs to, but they can't open that door to their future. And it's not locked, but the problem is the hinges won't swing because they're frozen. And so I, my approach is to take their top three hinges and get them moving. And then that door swings open naturally for them. So those hinges are, are, are what you're really talking about. And if I was to clarify those three hinges, uh, confidence is absolutely one of them. Procrastination is a, is a big one. What else do I see? Fear, fear, stepping out of the comfort zone. So, so confidence, overcoming fear. There's quite a few of them, Jason. So, uh, probably the top one. They're all going to okay. They're all going to relate. Here's what they all relate to. They all relate to avoiding action, and the answer to moving forward is action. Mm-hmm. And each of the my three hinges or whatever hinges I'm looking for is going to be an action avoidance strategy. Does that answer your question clearly? Yeah, enough? that does. That that's okay. beautiful because it gives us. You know, not just the labeling of the problem, but instead also, well, the solution is embedded inside of each one of those, right? Exactly, exactly. And, it's, and from there, it's a very simple matter to get them moving forward. Right. So then as I imagine that it's a matter of whatever their specific uh, business is, whatever their specific goals are, yes. but especially now bringing action into that. Do you have any go-to strategies, let's say, for inspiring that action? I do. Um, they're they're kind of proprietary, so uh, they're they're within my programs. But basically, what I do is, uh, I, I, first off, I'm, I'm the, the real heavy lifting is in the private sessions. Uh, yes. There, we're changing the symbol, the, the symbolic landscape. Now they're ready to do it. Now I want to get the, their neural pathways built to taking action. It's just getting them to do something every day. And yeah. uh, so I have a workbook. I have uh, I have a, a way that I gamify uh, taking action where I have a ledger uh, that they enter actions in and they pay themselves and, and they pay themselves based on their income, but their income kind of juiced. So it's really interesting and motivational to the uh, subconscious and the subconscious understands hands down the symbol of money in our culture. But uh, so instead of giving points for doing certain activities, and they'll define some of the activities are, are what I call neural pathway builders. So uh, they'll do those activities, they'll pay themselves for it, but they'll also write down their own activities that are going to support action taking on what they're trying to achieve. Like, like, for example, if somebody wants to have, get more connected with their family, well, then they're going to pay themselves an hourly rate for every time during the day that they spend time with their family, good quality time. It uh, gives points, but it does it in a way where they, they tangibly feel the value of what they're doing. 
doing. And it's in a ledger form. So every day they're adding to their balance. And uh, it's a real dopamine uh, a shot. It's building a number of wins. So it's, it's basically a strategy. Now, now I've gotten to what I do. It, it's basically a strategy of small actions taken consistently in a way that there are, are many small wins throughout the day and throughout the process. That's really cool, especially the the accountability of that and the reward system and retraining that action of now, when I do this, here's what it means, here's what right. it creates. Yeah, that, that's, you know, it's, it's what I'm doing is, is I, I'm doing the work at, this, at the symbolic level, at the subconscious level of where these perceptions and these actions are growing from. So I'm, I'm doing that perceptual work in the sessions. That's the heavy lifting. And from there, they're going to start developing new mindsets, new actions based on the new way they're perceiving themselves and their place in the world. And it will happen slowly. But I've introduced in these, I call them neural pathway builders. Uh, I, I've introduced these in, in, in five daily activities is, is a typical program go-to for me. They're actually changing the shape of their brain. So I've got a combination going where I juice the neural pathway building with these activities to support. So they're supplements to the real work I do. And the real work I do is, of course, the symbolic work in their perceptual level. Well, also something you mentioned earlier, which this is all over the marketing world. This is all over the business world. And just a few of us have kind of talked about this mm -hmm. from a hypnotic standpoint. Could you define gamifying? Sure. It's making some kind of a desirable activity uh, fun by putting rewards to it uh, and giving feedback. It's creating feedback loops. And uh, what I'm doing with, with my particular um, ledger gamification system is, is I'm providing them with a feedback loop. They're putting down what they do. They're paying themselves for it. It's growing a balance in their ledger. Um, I call it a traction ledger. And uh, T and R and traction stands for take relevant action traction. Oh, nice. And so when they yeah. take action, they begin making traction and becoming who they are faster. Uh, so uh, gamification is, is simply giving a feedback loop to somebody that they're getting little wins for what they're doing. And it's, it's developing habits. It's, it's probably pretty much like putting a button in front of a pigeon where if they, they peck the button, it drops a pellet of uh, feed to it. So, you know, it's, it's really kind of at a, at a very fundamental behavioristic level there. So then are there different ways you've found, you, you have a workbook, which is clearly part of what you're doing with your clients. Yes. Have you found it's, I use the word sale, but using it not in the sales respect, in terms of instead selling the idea, introducing the idea. I, I'll tell you why I'm asking this is that I've had mm -hmm, the client, sure. here's the guy who came in and uh, pointed his finger at me, which is always great for yes. rapport. Um, <laughs> and as he said, I am not going to count calories. Oh my gosh. To which I just smiled and said, oh I've, never, I've never asked anybody to do that here. Um, and stuck my, <laughs> stuck my hand out. Hi, I'm Jason. Nice to meet you too. And he laughed and we were off to a great start. This was the guy who showed up early for an appointment though. And I walked by him in the lobby and he's playing Angry Birds and he <laughs> has beaten, hang on, he has beaten every level and from a professional myself, you have to keep playing the levels sometimes several times over to get three stars wow, okay. rather than just complete it. That's the expertise. Uh, <laughs> and, and as soon as I saw this, I'm like, there it is. And this is the guy who then, without ever having to suggest it, you know, became the guy who was tracking things and like my fitness pal and now yes, it turns into yes, a game. Yes. The one who would go to the gym yes. and get on the treadmill, <laughs> set it for 45 minutes and leave in 12. But now was found some app in terms of weightlifting and was tracking all the lifts and how every yeah. week it was, can I beat the time before? So with him, it was recognizing that 
game nature was already a part of who he was. Yes, exactly. Do you ever find a challenge of introducing gaming to the non-gamers? Oh, all the time. Um, I don't necessarily use the word gamification, you know, in yeah. front of a client, uh, not as a secret, but uh, it's, it's not really something that makes sense to them. I have five activities that, that I work. They, they work in concert with one another or they're standalone. And uh, there's a synergy when you do all of them. Uh, they're designed to take 21 minutes or less a day. And uh, so it's, it's really a, a, a non-issue in terms of time or difficulty. They're very simple to do. And the gamification one is just one part of that, uh, one of those five. But yeah, there's always kickback a, against uh, that. But you know, it's an interesting thing. Even just yesterday, I started off a new client and uh, he, he loved three of the five and he hated two, the other two. But you know what I found is that having worked with him for a while on some other things in, in, in another program, I, I understood that the two that he didn't like would be the ones that he would grow the most from. So I, I was yeah. obviously lighting up some dragons for him, which is kind of what, what I need to do in my work. Uh, you know, just what we do, isn't it, Jason? We, 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 have to, we have to light up these dragons so that the neurons are firing so that that's when change can happen. So it's, it's actually kind of diagnostic. So I, I kind of want to see what somebody's going to do with it uh, so I understand what they're going to work. But to do or not to do is up to them. Uh, yeah. We're all adults. And, and here's the thing. The real work is done in the private sessions. The workbook, which includes these five, five activities, are supplements. And it's a choices between excellent results or more excellent results. You know, and so if somebody just wants excellent results, that's, that's what I'm going to strive for. And that's what they're going to get. But uh, if they want more excellent, the, the workbook is going, the, those five activities, including the gamification, is going to take the work deeper and further. It's going to integrate more areas of their life faster. I don't really explain any of this to anybody in terms of, you know, they don't want to do or do it. It's, it's entirely up to them. It's a supplement. Uh, it, and like any supplement, you take your supplement every day. It's going to do its work. It's going to, it's going to do something. But if you don't take it, well, there's, you can, you're still going to get there, but just not as nicely. Yeah, I'm flashing to, he's been on this program before. I'm remembering the class you were a part of, he was in the previous one, Duff McDuffie out of Colorado. He uh, dropped the statement in a forum the other day, or maybe it was a personal post about how, oh yeah, here's this one thing at the gym that I don't like doing that move. Yep. But I keep doing it because otherwise when I do actually do it, I get sore. If I keep it consistent... It's just a thing I can do, and it's and it sucks less. <laughs> exactly. I, I read it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get this project done today. I guess <laughs> that was helpful. Thanks, Duff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that's a great mindset towards it. And pretty much what I do is I let everybody develop the mindset they're that they're going to need to do those. They're there to help them. It's there for them. But uh, yeah, they're going to have to they're going to have to work. And and yeah, I just wrote out an email yesterday to somebody. He liked to th like I said, he liked three of the five. The other two are the ones that uh, he would most benefit from though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to bounce back because you use the term that a lot of us throw around of serial entrepreneur. Sure. And it's a challenge sometimes when someone hears this chat and they hear, oh, Jim's got an entire system. Here's the whole world of what he's doing with his clients. What were some of those steps along the journey, which um, you, you did oh say some gosh. of them failed. Let's call them learning opportunities. But Well, I, I, would, say that, I would say that there are more, I, I would say like uh, like playing the stock market or anything else, you cut your losses fast and you run with your wins uh, yeah. because you're going to have way more losses than you are wins. And and uh, I had way more, you know, I, I make the joke about the serial entrepreneur because usually they're saying, people are saying that, implying that they're successful often. Uh, for me, I, I was a serial entrepreneur, but very few of them really did anything uh, in the early days. And so we're really talking about about four decades of, of, of a quest to become an entrepreneur. And I totally held myself back in, in every way possible, Jason. I held myself back. 
I've developed superpowers because I had to address these issues myself and I had to work through them. Uh, and it was a long, slow process. So in my failures is really where my successes today are coming from, uh, because they were really what created my superpower and helping people to become the next level person so that whatever they're doing is their next level desire is a natural outcome of that. I had a a video marketing company and uh, I was working with VHS videotapes at that time. And I was putting together um, videotapes to introduce newcomers into the community. And uh, so I, I would highlight businesses and then highlight also things about the community that somebody coming new would like to know. And uh, so then I would get sponsors from these local businesses for it. And uh, I would have it distributed through realtors who would know who's coming new into the community. And so the realtors can hand it out as a, as a closing gift or for a prospect, uh, you know, thinking about moving into the area. Uh, that was really cool, but it was super duper um, capital heavy, and I had no capital. And so uh, I, I'm very creative, and I did pretty, and, and I take risks, and I did pretty good, but I really could not support that business. Uh, uh, so um, eventually, I uh, became a, a stockbroker, a Series Seven stockbroker, and then I went independent with it. I got a broker dealer uh, to, to work through and set up my own business. And that was good, but uh, just I had to be in front of people selling. And, I, and I, I, I had so many limiting beliefs about myself, Jason, so much negative self-talk that uh, I just completely got in my way. I was very creative and I had to be to work around a lot of that. Uh, and I had to have a lot of um, boldness and risk-taking to do it, but I wasn't able to do it effectively in a sales way because I, I was spending all my energy just doing it. <laughs> Uh, and then probably uh, before uh, becoming a, a life coach uh, for entrepreneurs and then now a hypnotist, one of my favorite ones was a martial arts billing company. And uh, uh, I worked with, you know, these guys with martial arts, they um, they love what they're doing. A lot of them are, they start teaching because they just love what they're doing. They want to do it all the time. They want to support their hobby, basically. And uh, they start uh, getting students in, but then now they have to become accountants and they have to keep track of billing and everything else. And so uh, I did the billing for them. I, they would, I would contract with them and they would uh, contract their students and they would send me the information. I would handle the billing and keep track of who paid and who didn't. Um, that was a really nice one. But uh, once again, it, it, I had about um, eight clients there. That was really great. I could have probably had 80 if I had would have been able to get out of my way. And I just wasn't able to get out of my way at that point. Which... Two things. <laughs> First of all, one, thank you for being a business coach as someone who actually has run businesses. True. Uh, <laughs> as there's a trend right now as to um, those who are only you know teaching and guiding others but have not That's yet true. done it themselves. But it, it's where we've had that experience of you know, I'd be very open here are projects of mine that have gone exceptionally well. And here are the ones that mm -hmm. became an incredible learning lesson. Um, I'm curious <laughs> to hear your take on this, though, which is that as I run, you know, a pretty visible media business where here's different podcasts, oh, yeah. here's different projects, I have found a lot of the clients that I end up working with are ones who have seen a lot of what I've got and are choosing to work with me because one they recognize the power of here's the influence side of things, here's the hypnosis yes. side of things, but also too, they're looking at doing something similar, but clearly in a different world. You know, here's the contractor, yes. here's the accountant. Um, how much of yourself are you putting into your marketing, your promotion? So they're seeing part of your story as part of it. 
Well, more and more all the time, Jason. Um, I'm still you know working with my messaging all the time, and and it's always improving. But uh, I think that's a, a very important thing to do, and uh, I'm I'm getting much better at communicating, just like I did today. I've spent a lot of time studying and learning hypnosis, and I've I've, I've made a, a really a, a huge investment in both there. But uh, the messaging is is uh, still working out. But uh, origin story, like we started with, is 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 important. I, uh, so yes, I, I definitely put it out there uh, because ultimately that's how people are going to see if they want to work with us or not. For for me, I have I have uh, many many colleagues, many teachers, many mentors actually, but I'm always the people I'm putting around me. They have some kind of a genius that I see that I really want in in my business uh, or in my life. That's that's what drew me to you. That's what draws me to anybody is is I see a genius in what they're doing. Uh, it it could be in hypnosis, could be in business. In your case, it's both. But I look for that genius. And if you, if a person doesn't put that out there, I can't see it. Well, thank you for using the genius word. <laughs> no, but also uh, that, that's that's everyone's journey. That the messaging that yes. works. Uh, if you know anyone who's been listening to me the last two or three years, you know you can look at yes, there's specific strategies inside of it. Yes, there's specific methods and systems that are there. Mm-hmm. But it's where if you own the story first has been the theme of the last couple of years. As to hey, I'm the guy Absolutely. who just bought a building, and then I'm the guy who got rid of it. Then I'm the guy who left it all behind and moved somewhere else. But by being transparent and putting that story out there, I'm the one, you know, I know you had a small background of, what was it, high school theater, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That you're the one as the director telling the story and people see that connection. So it's whereas we put in some of that story and I, I keep meeting people. I was on a call with someone this morning where the whole thing was beautiful website, but the problem, it could have been anybody's website the same stock images that anyone could find from any resource. And I'm just, they're going, it's like, this is a personal service. They need to do business with you. The, the process can be all about them, but I'm not, there was at least one photo on a contact page and, and that ability yeah. to build that connection in advance, tell that story because there's going to be people who align with that story. And that's why well, I'll call it out. We might be doing some of the same things that they've attempted before, Sure. But now we're doing it in a rather direct, effective way, changing that subconscious programming. But there may be a higher motivation because now this person gets me. Yeah. And and not only might they be attempting to do something we've done before, they probably have been. And and if we put it out there, what, what you're saying is, is is actually one of your genius points, uh, Jason. Uh, I'm growing in that. I'm not I'm not a model of that by any means. But uh, I, I think that is so important. And I, the reason I think it's so important is because that's how people are going to know whether they want to work with us or not. And if it's just a generic thing, it's going to be a matter of luck. But when you're really putting yourself out there tra- with transparency and, and including transparency of your journey, uh, you really give people a chance to, to, to get rapport with you on a professional level. And uh, there's some personal. And so people get a sense of, of who you are as a person, which is very important. But really, it's, it's a professional connection. And you're, you're, by being transparent, you're allowing others who are going through that same thing to know that and then to build rapport with you. So I absolutely um, agree with you there. And, and you're the genius at that. And I'm, I'm learning from you with that. But what you're saying is, is vital to real success at the same time, making a real impact with who you are, which is, which is really what my goal in life is too. And you did one of my favorite things, by the way, which is as soon as you said yes and we scheduled this, you put together a resource 
for everybody uh, to share. Do, do you mind if I share something real quick uh, to sure. piggyback off? Okay, so this is one of those revelations that's really come about, you know, from doing the train the trainer with Richard Nongard or doing mm -hmm. co-productions. And now I have to give a disclaimer: this is not <laughs> this is not about the people who I've trained with. This is just the collection as a whole. That you you started this conversation talking about metaphors and the symbols that we use. And it's that it, it's not just tell your story. It's not just no. be transparent. It's that we need to filter our stories in such a way that still have to ask, how is this going to be a value to the other person? Absolutely. I, I've seen I've seen too much of the, oh, I teach NLP by telling you stories. And no, they're just rambling. You have to go inside of the story and yeah. ask what are the points and it might mean you have to pull out some of the parts that were the most meaningful to you because they don't serve the rest of the story so it's where there's a there's a strategy of collating those stories but also kind of siphoning them down just the essential elements not for the sake of being brief but to make sure that okay so if i do tell the story i said this before we hopped on the recording i'm in a co-working space today and again, best problems in life are the ones we invent because they're putting carpets down in the house, and that's loud. Sure. Carpet's soft, but installing carpet is very loud. <laughs> um, and there wasn't really a big thing that needed to be said other than flexibility, but I've talked flexibility the last 18 months, so there's no broadcast around that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's like I've been here before. It's not pretty. No, we're not doing that. But to, to go inside of the story and, yes, hit the points that – may be a beneficial to someone else but if we can't yes. the technique is you can always pause the story and universalize it with a rhetorical question yes that's a that's a great strategy for that absolutely you, you uh, ever have that moment where you just realize the only reason you're stuck is because you've been standing in your own way oh all and the as time, i'm hearing absolutely. the pounding of the carpet <laughs> and we're back into the story um so so collate the story curate it down but when all else fails, you can universalize it with a rhetorical question. You put together a cool resource, which I'll make it easy for everybody. WorkSmartHypnosis.com forward slash 339. This is episode 339. So that'll bring you over to the show notes. Of course, it'll be a giant purple button. Uh, what's the resource you put together, Jim? It's a one-page, uh, two-side cheat sheet that uh, distills down all that I've learned about working with metaphors, and, and not just any metaphor, but metaphors that will tend to create transformational change in clients. There's a lot of uh, an Ericksonian uh, type of thinking in there, but it also involves a lot of other uh, mentors' thinkings as well. And it's it's really kind of the the, the cream of the crop uh, that that bubbles up for me uh, at this point in my journey with metaphors uh, to really how to create that transformational change with the metaphors that really come from and speak to the uh, client. Yeah. So could you give us an example of what happens with that metaphor as we start to run it through the system? It'll emerge with the with the right questions, and there's ways to ask the questions that don't put metaphors into the person's mouth. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're very simple. They were developed uh, by uh, a man named David Grove. He called it clean language. They're clean questions, and they're clean in the sense that they elicit uh, metaphors from people without putting words to the metaphors. And uh, so uh, it's it's a simple level, eleven questions are the base of it, and uh, you, and there's a process. You you start out at the conscious level, then you dip down to the subconscious. 
uh, with these questions actually turn you inward. You get, uh, you know, uh, transderivational searches, and then all, all of a sudden the purse is inside. We're now in a hypnotic context, even though it's a waking hypnotic context. Uh, so it's just a, kind of a, a five stages where we dip down below, uh, we start to explore and develop the symbols, and then from there we let those symbols evolve, and then we we come on back uh, and and uh, apply it. Um, so it's a simple five-stage process. So that's on the worksheet. The clean language questions are there, but also um, some insights that that I didn't have before I started working with these. Uh, in in that when you get a a symbol evolved at one level, it uh, will evolve every other symbol that's connected with it at a perceptual yeah. level, and that's when you get your transformation. And that's that's really what I go for. Uh, although I'm happy with translations once in a while, but the transformations are really there, and I get them pretty consistently now. Uh, and so what I've put on the sheet is is uh, the key things that I know and understand about uh, the metaphors uh, that make them powerful. Um, another one uh, is the beauty of echoing uh, what somebody says. Um, in, in, in one of the first hypnosis classes I took, they to- told you how to you know, take what was heard and then communicate it back in your own words to, to communicate that uh, you understood what the, the client was saying and you, you, you were in touch with them. But good enough. But I found out that when I actually use the exact same words, because the words they're using in connection with their symbol is, is packed with meaning that I couldn't even begin to see that's personally relevant to that person. And so uh, one, one of the huge tip for me was just echo what's being said. And people, because we're in a hypnotic context, people aren't thinking, well, why are you mimicking what I'm saying? It, you're, actually, you're actually being a mirror to them. And simply by mirroring what they're saying, they're now seeing their symbol from another perspective. And that's going to be the driver to changing, evolving that symbol. So those, I'm not sure I'm really answering your question, Jason. But No, I appreciate uh, that. Okay. And just for everybody out there, again, it's worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 339 will give you that. And I appreciate what you said about asking the questions in a way that reveals them rather than suggests them. So important. So absolutely important. <laughs> Yeah, that again, it's where, well, there was a dialogue one time around, um, I forget what it was, but it was like some sort of hack around a spinning technique. And the phrase was, well, because we are creating a metaphorical construct, it means we can suggest it, but once we have it, that it's moving. When we're using as a technique, I'm okay with that. When it's more of the personal representation, let's be a lot more organic. And I'll tell you, I really appreciate you're sort of drawing that line between translation and transformation. The translation is what gets the foot in the door, mm-hmm. but the transformation is what makes the original issue just not work the same way anymore. That's great. It dissolves. It's gone. It, it's not relevant. Yeah. Before we wrap this up, mm-hmm. question for you. And just to tell a bit of a story and understanding this may be in the works, there's a, another transformation of your business becoming a bit of a family business. Correct. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, can you chat about that? Uh sure. I, I invest a lot in the people around me, and of course, I've invested in my kids' lives. Uh, my son uh, Derek and my daughter Jackie, who are uh, twenty-five and twenty-four now. But uh, I homeschool them, and uh, my, my wife and I homeschool them. And I have a very close friend, uh, Sarah, who um, I, I consider to be family as well. Uh, who um, I've worked with for over 15 years on on personal growth issues, and uh, she was homeschooled. Uh, she she's a a little bit older than my kids, but uh, when it was time for them to get their high school equivalency, I started coaching them on how to get excellent grades. And uh, so I took them through. They got excellent grades on their high school equivalency uh, examinations, uh, and Sarah went through with it because she had never done her uh, her high school equivalency either. 
And uh, from there, uh, I brought them through college, uh, coaching them to become uh, grade A students. Uh, all three of them uh, graduated uh, summa cum laude with their bachelor's degrees. And uh, great people, fantastic, sharp people, very closely connected with me. And so I started investing in, with, in them some more and getting them uh, certifications and uh, bringing them on in my business. And then my wife also is, is golden with uh, customer service and, and support. She's old school customer support. Uh, and, and she's uh, had management position. So uh, she's covering my support end uh, and, and she'll be able to manage anybody who I bring in for support. Uh, and uh, uh, my kids and Sarah are, uh, are, are support coaches and now they're support hypnotists. And so I've invested in them and, and uh, they're part of my tribe and they're, they're leaders in there. So uh, it, it is family business. I love it. Uh, that's kind of how we lived. I'm happy to see it uh, growing to where I can uh, bring them in with a, with a fantastic profession and I can um, pass some of uh, what I'm growing and excited about onto them and uh, to make an impact uh, you know, in people's lives, but also to make an income. And uh, so I'm, I'm happy to be able to share uh, in the financial rewards of it as well. That's outstanding and incredibly inspiring. This has been great to have you on here. Where can people best get in Thank contact you. with you? Uh, best way to get in contact with me would perhaps be through my website, www.entiremindadvantage.com. And there's a little bit about me. It's, it's not as good as it's going to be, but it's uh, better than it was. You'll get some inf inf general information about me there. And from there, you can find that there's a contact form. Uh, if you'd like to schedule a, a 21 minute call with me, uh, you know, there's a, a button on there to, to schedule that call. It, typically, I use that for um, uh, clients. Uh, if, if you have something of interest that uh, you want to kind of get in a hold of the network with me, uh, you know, you, you can go ahead and schedule something there and we can we can see how that would work. But uh, and then my email address is there, too. So www.entiremindadvantage.com. Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for leaving your reviews online, sharing this episode and your ongoing conversations. And uh, hey, I don't say this one enough. Thanks to the thousand plus of you who have joined our programs over the years, whether it's Work Smart Hypnosis Live, which we've got another one coming up rather soon. Whether it's hypnoticbusinesssystems.com, which is an entirely a learn-at-your-own-pace online community. It's all about taking the skills that we have inside of this incredible profession and, quite honestly, making it even easier for you to get consistent results, making it even easier for you to be financially stable as your own solo entrepreneur and putting yourself out there because yes, as always, the more we're all successful, the more we're all successful. Hey, when you're all out there doing great work as professional hypnotists, it's spreading the good knowledge as to what we do and even helps bring me clients as well as hypnotic workers. I'm a guy who's still out there doing the professional work. So if you're not yet getting the results you want to see, Join us at the next WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com.